indeed his first goal for Portsmouth. Into the path of Smithrow, into the box. Smithrow scores! A really deserving first goal in Huddersfield Town Colours. Hello and welcome to another episode of Away From Hale End. If I sound a little different, that's because a little different setup this week. Uh, I'm on vacation, so I'm going to make this short and sweet, keep everyone up to date. And obviously, due to the fact that I'm not in my normal place, I'm not going to even discuss the absolute abomination that was this past week's performance from the senior team. Let's just leave it there and move on strictly to the positives namely a player who we've all been watching for a very long time now and one who looks like he may finally be hitting that senior peak form we've all known is there, Reese Nelson. I I can't say enough about what I've seen from him now versus what I was seeing from him a year ago, two years ago. I don't even care if we're talking about his time at Hoffenheim when he really was playing quite excellently. This is a whole nother level. There is confidence in every touch he takes. Every touch he takes has purpose. And that was his biggest knock before this. So very, very exciting time for those of us who have been keeping our stocks in Reese Nelson for all this time. Two matches this week for him. The first being in a thriller uh, in the conference league in a 3-3 draw with Slavia Prague, where he was just, you know, the pitch was all his. It was an absolutely stellar performance. He added an assist, another goal contribution in this run of games where he has been untouchable. 24 of 25 passing, three key passes, three successful dribbles. He won nearly all of his ground duels. And again, this is a mixture of confidence and his physical stature finally coming to be what we all knew it could be. He's not only strong with his feet, an aspect that he's had through all walks of his footballing career, but his upper body has filled out and he's using it to his advantage. I can't speak to whether that has to do with certain coaching going on at Feyenoord or him just finally finding that form, but wow, it has made him so hard to mark, and he's just really using that to an advantage. And, you know, we talked about it last week with how he's not comfortable always being on his left foot, and in this match, he didn't let that bother him. He used the inside parts of the pitch to his advantage because defenders are expecting him to go wide, and they should, but with the confidence he's had, he's showing that he can use both inside and outside of the defenders and and get his teammates incorporated at times when it seemed like he was being too selfish with the ball previously. So a great performance from him. Feyenoord have a huge match coming up this week, trying to advance to that next round of the conference league. I mean, the further he goes and the closer he gets to challenging for a trophy, it's more great experience for him. And on the weekend, I mean, he was the man of the match and it's not even close. A goal and two assists and a 4-1 win over Heracles playing at right wing again, only in 59 minutes, all three of those goal contributions coming in the first half, 58 touches, 58 touches in 59 minutes. I mean, talk about running the pitch, just spectacular. 36 of 40 passing, two key passes and a big chance created, obviously one of those assists, two of four dribbles successful and four of six duels won. You just, you can't say enough about what confidence means, especially at a young age. And Reese Nelson, that's always really been the question mark. And now the question is, what do Arsenal do with Reese Nelson? And it's something we've talked about every week here. And I just don't know. I think too much has to do with if we get Champions League or not. If we get Champions League, it's hard to see Reese Nelson getting a chance in the first team next year. You just can't rely on him. And, and he hasn't shown that he's reliable for Arsenal. But if we're in the Europa League, 
I think you sign Reese Nelson to an extension. I think you give him the chance to impress Arteta yet again. Arteta does like the player. Did give him a great chance in his first full season in charge. So I think that really is going to determine what happens. But either way, I'm so happy for the kid that he clearly has a future in first-team football. Because I'm going to be honest, when the January came around, he was dealing with injuries, he got COVID. It was looking bleak for Reese. It wasn't clear what his next step was going to be in his career. And it's becoming clearer that he's ready to step up to the plate and make real contributions. I I mean, I think Crystal Palace would be a great fit for him uh, as kind of a natural Zaha replacement type. Uh, I I really think he has the physical abilities now to step into the Premier League and, and play in a team like that, especially one that needs a player who's willing to be selfish when he needs to be, but also get his teammates involved, which is exactly the player Reese Nelson can be. Moving on. I mean, I'm very excited about Reese, but we need to move on. Fuller and Balagoon did not have his best performance this week, and that's going to happen. That's why he's out on loan. He's not ready for the consistent playing a match every week. He sat out in the game against Fulham. I think that probably had an effect on this match as well. He just didn't look as sharp. Only played 64 minutes and a 1-0 loss to Hull, one that Middlesbrough really could not afford in the race for promotion. And he really just wasn't able to establish himself as an outlet, and therefore... He wasn't nearly involved enough in the match. And for Balogun, his game is so much more than goal scoring, as we've talked about since the beginning of this loan. And so when he doesn't get involved, it, it doesn't really help him in terms of the final action in the, in the final third. And so he really tried to make things happen when he got on the ball, but sometimes he was forcing it. He seems a little frustrated, obviously a key reason why he only played 64 minutes. And I think a lot of that has to do with a little bit of fatigue. Uh, we mentioned I, I, that we don't think he played in that Fulham match strictly because of fatigue and having played so many matches in such a short period of time. That kind of showed here. I don't expect that form to continue. I expect him to get back to where he was just a week ago. Not worried about this performance whatsoever. I mean, the championship is a long season for anybody. It is physical. It is fast. The matches come thick and thorough. Balagoon is going to be fine. Middlesbrough have a lot of key matches coming up. Great experience for Flo. And another player where that Europa League Champions League difference is going to be huge. And, and that's why I'm trying not to panic about Arsenal's current form. I think there are positives to take. Obviously, I'd much rather be in Champions League, but there certainly are positives to take if we end up in the Europa League, including players like Balogun, Reese Nelson, potentially Marcelo Flores or Omari Hutchinson, Patino. Obviously, we all know the list can go on and on. Those types of players more likely to be included in the first team next year if we're not playing in the Champions League. Obviously, we're in the Champions League, bigger budget, bigger names come in. But, you know, as someone who spends their time scouting these players at Hale End from a young age and really watching them grow and succeed, you hope for them to make it an arsenal. So as a fan of Hale End and our academy and kind of that route to the first team, I'm trying to take some positives from this potential disappointment. A player who really confuses me right now and... He confused me when he went on the first load. It confused me when he ended that load after being so successful and going to a different club in the same division with a buy option is Harry Clark. He has now played this season in five different defensive positions. He has played at right back, right wing back. He has played in a center back in a back four, center back in a back five, and has now played at left wing back. He played 90 minutes in a 3-1 loss to Hearts. He had an assist early on in the match that actually gave Hibbs a lead that they then went to blow. Uh, lovely through ball to a striker who made a nice run between the center backs and, and kind of had a, a weird finish. I mean, to call it a, a class assist would be going a little too far, but 
Harry Clark statistically is such an interesting player. I mean, when you watch him, it's a little, he could be quite frustrating. He really, he tries to take it to the opponent at every moment and you have to credit him for that. He has unbelievable energy and unbelievable. I don't want to call it vision because that's not the right thing, but he sees things that he thinks he can make successful when they're not always there, which can be great at times and can be frustrating at times. For instance, in this match, just on paper, Nine of 16 duels won, two clearances, two interceptions, two tackles. From a defensive standpoint, that's pretty excellent. I mean, the fact that he was in 16 duels is pretty insane, uh, especially as someone playing kind of in a much wider position, like you don't expect to see those numbers. Then going forward, 21 of 27 passing, two key passes, three of six successful dribbles. So he really is an influence in every match, and this is not an abnormal stat line for Harry Clark in any way, shape, or form. The thing is, he is not one to strictly play to his formation or to his position. He's often caught out. He, he kind of in that way is like Winduzi, where he has these moments of brilliance that are like, wow, there's a serious player in there, but he doesn't always have the discipline to be that player. And the key is to find the middle ground between those two things. You don't want to take away a young player's creativity and thought and what they see as positive play, but you also can't have people running around willy-nilly and kind of leaving the defense open to be taken advantage of, uh, which we see a lot with Guendouzi. And obviously, Harry Clark struggles from similar situations. Uh, I think that's why Hibbs are playing him and a five at the back as a wing back because I think they think that gives them more protection with, with more center backs. Having said that, we've talked about this with the buy option. I don't think Harry Clark's likely to come back to Arsenal, but I do think he has a higher ceiling than just playing in the Scottish Premiership. Uh, I think you'll see him try and force a move in a couple of years, assuming he continues his form. Obviously, injuries have not been his friend over the last couple of seasons, a big reason why I don't think he ever got a fair chance to be in Arsenal's first team. But an interesting player nonetheless. I'm interested to see if he stays as a defender. I think you could see him move in a 4-4-2 block. You could see him move as a left midder or a right midder um, just because he's so creative at times. Very interesting player. Very, very interesting player. I need to watch more of him uh, to get a better understanding of where his future position lies and what kind of system he might be successful in because there seriously is a player in there. And Nikolai Moeller made his return as well from injury, and he scored. Uh, obviously, he missed that one match kind of out of nowhere. No real clear understanding of what happened. Probably just picked up a little something in, you know, in a muscle. These things happen after a lot of matches, especially in young players, especially if someone of Muller's size, uh, you see those injuries happen a, a little bit more often. But he played 31 minutes, uh, scored 18 minutes after coming on, and scored the kind of goal that I've been begging for him to score. He was aggressive in his run. He saw a chance to get behind the center backs. Beautiful ball played in, first-time finish, past the keeper, and one that is going to be huge for his confidence. These are the types of goals that if he can start scoring, he will round out as a player because of his size and stature, those are the types of goals that will come to him. He needs to be someone lurking around the keeper, lurking around the six-yard box. He's not going to be scoring goals from the top of the box. That's just not doesn't make sense for somebody of his physical attributes. That's not how he should be using them best. Uh, and, and he did the things that he always does well. Uh, was successful as an aerial outlet, uh, especially as Dordrecht really tried to push to get back in the game. Uh, and whatever he had, it, it didn't look like it was hindering him in any way in this match. I don't think he started just as a precaution, but great to see him on the score sheet. 
striker scoring goals. We always love striker scoring goals. Again, think he'll come back. Think he's likely to go out on loan next year, hopefully somewhere in England, so he can get a little bit more of the physical, you know, likeliness and awareness that you see in English football. Um, that just makes the most sense at this point. He's not going to play U23. I mean, with Mika Beerus there and the plethora of other young attackers we have, I mean, I can even begin to list them. Uh, I, I expect Muller to come back and go on loan for a full season, hopefully get some stability, stay healthy, would be huge for him. A player who cannot stay healthy, and you just really hate to see it. Jordi Osei-Tutu, unfortunately, has picked up yet another injury um, after playing two matches this week, one where he came on as a sub, uh, as a right wing back, one where he came on, I'm sorry, one where he played 84 minutes at left wing back. Uh, but after that match against Portsmouth, he was seen leaving the arena with crutches and a boot on his foot. Looks like a foot injury. Unclear about the severity, but it's un- I think it's unlikely a player in, on crutches and in a boot comes back at this point in the season. Um, just to recap his matches, he came on uh, down 1-0 to Charlton, played a right wing back. He was successful defensively and on the ground. He, he knows how to kind of read the play and, and win those 50-50 balls. That's something he's pretty good at. Uh, but he was lacking in that possession retention and progressive play that they keep bringing him on for. And that leads me to the second match against Portsmouth where he played 84 minutes at left wing back. And the more I watch this, and I know I've kind of questioned this each week, he seems a lot more comfortable on that left side. And I think it has to do with his ability to find players with his right foot better than his left foot. I think he's comfortable dribbling on both feet. And so when he's received the ball on either touchline and tries to move up the pitch, when he's forced to play that pass with his left foot, he doesn't always find a player on his team. And sometimes he's forced to play back. We talked about this with Brooke Norton Cuffey last week, where Norton Cuffey is such an interesting talent because he has the ability to play with both feet, which makes him so hard to press. Jordy doesn't quite have that. And it's a big reason why the goal contributions have mostly come when he's playing as a left wing back. He's able to kind of switch the ball back to his right foot and find a player, which is what he did in this Portsmouth game. He had an excellent run down the left side, cut it back onto his right, played a beautiful ball across. I, I don't know how that they didn't score. I don't know how Rotherham didn't score on this cross. It went past two players. But it's nonetheless very upsetting news for Jordi Osei-Tutu. The kid cannot catch a break with injury. Obviously, we've talked about his Arsenal contract situation, unlikely to come back to the club and play for us. Now with this injury, uh, it's going to be tough for him to find a club that, that he thinks he's at the level of. I think he's likely to stay in League One next year. Maybe Rotherham, if the manager stays and chooses him, or they may get promoted. That would really give Jordi a boost at getting a chance in the championship. But you just got to feel for him. I mean, I'm happy he got that goal in the Papa John's Trophy. It meant so much to him. But you just hope he can find a way to stay healthy. There's no clear indication about why players suffer from these endless amounts of injuries. Uh, obviously, studies ha- have been done and continue to be done. And, you know, you see people speculate about it all the time. But you do hate to see it for Jordy. And you just hope he can come back healthy and, you know, find himself a club this summer that, he can be successful at because, again, with the way a lot of these modern clubs are playing with the five at the back, that's where Jordy will succeed. And a couple of years ago, you wouldn't have expected to see him as a left wing back. He really thrived at Botcham as a right wing back. But I do think, having watched him this season, that that left side might be a preference for him. A defender who has returned from injury and 
just puts in the same performance week in and week out and a performance that's one to be proud of is Daniel Ballard. 90 minutes at right center back in a 4-1 win over Barnsley. I can't even read this stat line or talk about his performance without saying that this is just the norm. This is what he does every week. And I would be very surprised if Arsenal don't take advantage of where his value will be at the end of the season. I don't think he's a player in a mold that Arteta will play. I don't think he's yet ready to take that next step. And Arsenal are in a position where they're probably going to want to bring in one more defender of some type to bolster the squad. I think Daniel Ballard's value to a championship club or a team that gets promoted will be quite high, a double-digit fee of some kind. So I think Ballard, with performances like these, is going to secure himself a move to a solid club. I mean, Arsenal may decide, you know what, we're not ready to sell. We're going to send him on loan to a lower-end Premier League club, whether that be a team that gets promoted or a team that just stays up, an Everton, a Leeds. We shall see. But six clearances, one block shot, one interception, one tackle, nine out of 11 duels won, five out of 12 long balls. That's a key indicator for him whether or not he feels comfortable in the game. And three shots on target, including a a goal he should have scored that hit the woodwork. Um, But he also gets himself in those situations quite often. I mean, he's excellent for his size in the air. It's really astonishing. He's not the tallest player on the pitch. He never is the tallest defender on the pitch, but he reads the ball well. He has great anticipation uh, on a cross, whether it's defensively or while he's trying to score. And as long as he continues to grow with the ball at his feet and get more confident, I actually think he has the ability, but often it looks like just shakiness and confidence. The more valuable he becomes, especially as more and more teams try to play out from the back. I, I could actually see him sur- thriving in Brighton's kind of f- formation in that right center back role, quite similarly to where Ben White actually played for them. Uh, right center back, he can be progressive at times. I don't think he can step into the right back w- role the way Ben White did for them so often, but Graham Potter has changed quite a bit the way he approaches these matches. We saw it in the match against Arsenal. Those center backs get real wide sometimes, and Ballard has shown that he can do that. He can get wide defensively and, and mark a man out there. It's a matter of if he can do that going forward. A lot to be seen, a, a player that's going to continue to grow. But I think if it was up to me, love the player, don't think he has a future at Arsenal, think his value you'll be, will be about as high as you're going to get it after this season, assuming he continues to play this way. So it'll be interesting to see what they decide. But obviously, we've spoken about how many young talents there are at Hale End at the moment. Some players are going to have to leave. I think Ballard is likely to be one. Another player likely to leave, but one I'm very, very happy for with the way this season has turned out because it started very rough for him is Matthew Smith, who played 84 minutes uh, in central midfield in a 2-0 win over Crewe. And he's really just become such a complete player. I know we spoke about, at least on Twitter, at the start of the season before this podcast, about what he needed to do to become a more complete player, what his weaknesses were. And those were on the defensive side of the ball and in reading the game. He's always had the ability to be a progressive player, a creative player, one who has excellent vision, one who has a very wide range of passing. But he didn't always read the game from a midfield standpoint. It's a little bit different than reading it as someone only attacking. And he's been forced for a multitude of reasons to play a little bit deeper this season and to have a lot more responsibility And he's taken that. He's not played excellently in every match. He has struggled at times. But that's going to happen when you challenge yourself. And that's what he's done. And I think 
as the season comes to a close, he's really trying to show off what he can do so that he finds himself a good club this summer, whether that's league one, whether that's in the championship that remains to be seen, but this was an excellent match for him. He really played well on both sides of the ball. He's become a much, much better defender. He's much better at winning tackles. He's much better at anticipating where the ball is going to go and not just reacting to a pass, which is so key if you plan on being an eight or box-to-box midfielder, depending. Um, Obviously, doesn't have the tools to be a six. Doesn't quite have the attacking prowess and creativity to be a 10. So he's kind of a tweener midfielder, as we like to call him. So he's really shown that he's grown into that role. He's going to need another year to do that for sure. I think a high-end League One club is likely the best destination for him if he wants to play regularly. Could see him ending up at a championship club that's not quite challenging for promotion uh, as you know, more of a squad player, may not start every match. Got lots of experience this year, so that might be the way he decides to go. We shall see what happens, but nonetheless, you have to be happy when a player who has a frustrating start to the season finishes strong and doesn't just give up on the season on loan because you see it. You see it happen. Uh, You see it happen with Ainsley Maitland-Niles, who I'm going to talk about now, who on the bench for both matches this week for Roma, and he just never shows the energy, the body language. He never shows that he's there and committed. And I think that's been his biggest fault in his entire career. Every time he's shown he's committed, he has stayed in the team at Arsenal and he has played excellently. He got an England call-up. I don't know if it's a mental health thing. I don't know if it's doubting himself. I don't know if it's truly that he believes he deserves to be a central midfielder. Who's to say? But he's a player that when he does not believe in himself and he does not commit on the pitch, it shows and he doesn't get a chance. Not only does it show, he doesn't get a chance, which means he's not showing up in training and trying his hardest and putting his best effort in because to not even get a chance for a player of his talent, it speaks, it speaks a lot to, to what's going on behind the scenes. So that's that for Maitland Niles this week. No action. Tim Akinola, the disaster that is this loan has come to an end. He had surgery on his ankle. Season looks to be over. One of the more shocking moves and probably the worst move Arsenal made of any kind this season in terms of transfers in and out, in my opinion, Total disaster. It happens. Loans are unpredictable. Akinola will come back. It'll figure out what happens next. Another player unlikely to have a huge future at Arsenal. Probably would have been better off having him just with the U23s when we had some injuries, needed some midfield help. It is what it is. Carl Hines still out injured. Tyrese John Jules still out injured. Ryan Alabiosu still out injured. And Brooke Norton Cuffey looks to still be out injured with that hamstring my guess is it's not too serious. There hasn't been any more reports about it. My guess is Lincoln have a good relationship with Arsenal. They've spoken about it. Arsenal's medical team has probably taken a look at whatever scans have been done. And they're just being precautious. Young player with a huge future. Can't risk a hamstring tear. He's played a ton of matches for a young player in a very short amount of time. My guess is he probably takes it easy for even one more week, maybe two. Hamstring injuries are not ones to mess with. We'll see him back in action at some point this year. And it does appear that he has accepted Arsenal's contract offer to extend. Gotta love it for the kid. Absolute stud. I saw a stat today that he is the second most progressive runs in League Two all season. And he didn't join Lincoln until January. So, and he plays it right back. So, yeah. I mean, 
that's what I've been saying for a full year now. And that's the thing about him is he is just such a complete player. No matter if we're talking defenders, midfielders, he has all the tools that you need to make it at the top level, mentality, physical ability, technical skill. He's the complete thing. And it's going to be sooner rather than later that everybody's talking about him and not just those heavily invested in both England's youth setup and Arsenal's youth setup. So that's the week for players out on loan. Some positives, a few unfortunate injuries that we hope will resolve themselves. We, again, Jordi Osei-Tutu, you have to feel for him. But Reese Nelson back in the form Firing on all cylinders, a huge match with Slavia Prague coming up in the Conference League. And a lot of questions to be asked. A lot of questions to be asked of Arsenal's first team as well. A few huge fixtures coming up. People don't lose the faith. If we all looked back when we had zero points through three matches, bottom of the table, and we said we would basically be three points behind Spurs with a game in hand, with a chance at fourth place, and a North London Derby in front of us. We would be happy. We truly would be. We have a real chance of challenging for the top four still. The youngest squad in the Premier League. And listen, Spurs aren't all that good. The reason that they're firing and the reason that they're winning is because they have the two best finishers above expected goals, They maybe in the history of the sport. I mean, Hoemming Sun, statistically, one of the best finishers of all time, as much as that pains me to say. I don't even rate him that highly. I think he's an incredibly frustrating player. He scores out of nothing. I mean, that first goal against Villa, like, came literally out of nothing. But, hey, that's the thing that happens when you have senior players. Conte, we've seen it before. We'll see it a million times. He's relying on this type of play. It does not last. All we need is one spur hiccup, one spurs hiccup, and we are right back where we want to be. And listen, the reason they're not challenged for the title is because they make hiccups. So we can expect it to happen. We just need to capitalize, get back to playing that football we were playing, and just hope that Sir Mikel Arteta has a little something up his sleeve for us. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening, and uh, might have a special guest next week. Who knows? <laughs>